0: This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. (coughs) No, it it really
1: is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV-related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. Gentlemen,
0: let's broaden our minds. Lawrence... (laughs)
1: Hello and welcome to episode sixty-seven of the Films and Swear Movie Podcast. I am your host Stu and joining me today is the special K, Kenneth Bruson. Oh, thank you very much, Special K, I'm Kenny B, for heaven's sake. <laughs> the man of many names and many podcasts. Too many for some some people's
0: tastes, probably, but hey, it's uh, it's essentially your fault. You know
1: <laughs> it. Yes, I that's a I kinda started this disinfection. And mm. it just grew. Indeed. The podcast on fire infection.
0: That yes. I'm now living
1: with daily. Aye. Like, <laughs>
0: it's
1: like we had a child and I just left. Now you yeah. raise a child. Yeah, I won the battle. The custody battle. <laughs> it wasn't the, a battle, it was like, take
0: it. Cool. Off the network. A yeah. <laughs> win is Aye. a win, regardless. Mm-hmm.
1: So each week uh, we watch films, take notes, and sit for an hour to debate whether the film is worth watching. Today we are discussing Super from 2010. Uh, if you have not seen Super, we're going to have to warn you. This is our spoiler alert system. <laughs> If you have not seen Super, this is time for you to turn off the podcast and watch the movie.
0: I thought that was real. Like, what's going on in Scotland right now? Like, well, <laughs> that'll be act as a good
1: spoiler warning. That, like, mm. it all kind of, The universe plays into our hands here. Aye. So that has been enough time for you to turn off the podcast. Hop on Netflix, I think. It's quite widely available. So, yes. Please do watch Super before listening to the rest of this podcast, because... It might not make a lot of sense if you're just diving in blind. Do you ever listen to podcasts
0: of movies that you haven't seen, if regardless if they're spoiling the movie? Um,
1: or not? Sometimes there's like a time, if it's like a movie I'm really excited for and I'm not bothered about having it spoiled, sure. then I'm fine. But right most times, uh, like if there's something talking about like Memento or something I've definitely not seen, I'll usually just skip that one.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Because it's gotten to like the time where like, I listen to far too many podcasts. So if I've got an opportunity to skip one, I take it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, even movies I eventually see, uh, I don't care about having them spoiled. We discussed a romantic comedy on Podcast on Fire recently that has quite a different ending than you expect from a romantic comedy. And I'm quite keen to on seeing the movie, but mm-hmm. I didn't care for having it spoiled. You know, I'll, I'll happily go into it then with that open eye, so to say.
1: Yeah. Aye, um But it's, it's like most things. If there's something coming out, like your big uh, Batman versus Superman, like, and you don't want shit spoiled, usually, like, you tend to wait. But when it's big films like that, majority of the times, I'm there on the opening weekend, and then I get to spend the next week listening to, like, 12 different movie podcasts <laughs> deliver the same review. Right. And, like, hey, I'm guilty. Like, we threw out The Lost worlds. Uh, no, not The Lost World uh, Jurassic World mm. and I openly admit, like this is the fifth podcast this week, talking about this movie
0: Hey, but your voices are unique, like never mm. forget that my friend, like even if you had listened to 20 Jurassic World reviews
1: prior your mm.
0: your voice is still unique buddy so,
1: never... Do you want to listen to it in like, thick foreign accent like, oh dinosaurs
0: what's your Like, I can't think of uh, anything better. Like, uh, that sounds uh, (laughs)
1: like orgasmic to me. Oh, yeah, Hunter. T-Rex. That's, right. (laughs) That's as, like, river city as I can get. Right on. Uh, So, uh, today's movie, Super, is directed by James Gunn. As we know, director of Guardians of the Galaxy from our last episodes, which I'm still quite, like, sore about
0: recording it.
1: Sore? The, uh, the movie or the recording? The recording, really. Oh. internal microphone. Oh, so so it turned out unlistenable or listenable to a degree. <laughs> to a degree, I wasn't I wasn't abandoned ship. That podcast got put out. Right, mates. <laughs> we may all sound like Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, but hello, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna review. <laughs>
0: <with you. laughs> That'll be awesome. Like, a, <laughs> films and swearing took a left turn. That's really interesting. I just like how your take on Bane is closer to Mr. Bean. Well, I I channel Kevin Smith's impression of Bane in my head. I've not mm. even seen the movie in question, so like <laughs> I'm, I'm just uh, drawing on other people's impression, which impressions which I normally do. I can't yes, make up any, any of my hold,
1: own. Hold a tumbler to your mouth and talk. Exactly. Pretend to be British. Exactly. I think that's the key. So uh, the movie stars, not in the Dark Knight Rises. Super. Uh Rain Wilson. As Frank Darbo, a.k.a. The Crimson Bolt. Ellen Page as Libby, a.k.a. Bolty. Liv Tyler as Sarah. Kevin Bacon as Jacques Jacques. Uh, that wasn't his full name, that's just too different. <laughs>
0: well, well, the, <laughs> mo- the movie kind of, uh, like, I watched it with subtitles on uh, on mm-hmm. Netflix because um, I, I kind of watch everything with subtitles, even Swedish movies, because... I'm old, okay. So, uh, <laughs> like, the mood. I think they translated this quite, quite differently. And I think somewhere in there, there is a joke that he might be called Jock or Jock, which exactly. amused me. You know, I want to say something briefly about James Gunn because I have had a, li- I've a little bit of br- brief history with him prior to him being a filmmaker, uh, without knowing it. I read a bunch of years ago when it was released the. Uh, I, I knew James Gunn had a kind of a connection with Trauma, uh, mm. the, the creators of The Toxic Avenger, The Independent, the studio Trauma, And I picked up the book, uh, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking, I Learned from The Toxic Avenger, which was co-written by James Gunn and the Trauma president, Lloyd Kaufman. Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Really awesome stuff, like really educational in terms of finding out how that indie studio came to be. But hilarious also because that book has an in-book fictional narrative where James is struggling to get... Lloyd to write it all, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's really fun. But uh, of course, uh, I saw Sliver a couple of years ago. His first feature, possibly, I I don't think so. Yeah, he co-wrote at least one movie on uh, Over a Trauma. Their uh, Shakespeare adaptation, *Tromeo and Juliet*, Mm -hmm. which uh, was uh, pretty uh, nasty and out there, narrated by Lemmy nonetheless, for Motorhead. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it, it was cool. Like He came he came from that school of uh, thought, like the indie school of thought and uh, the kind of horror exploitation. And uh, I, I loved Sliver. That, that, that was good fun. Like a great take on a gory, monster, creepy crawler flick mm-hmm. with fairly big names. I mean, Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker, stuff like that. And had yep. like cool practical f- effects and gore. And then I kind of... Never ventured into Guardians of the Galaxy because I I kind of fallen out with big movies in general. But you know mm. it, it'll be out there forever, so like I'll, I'll I'll get to it eventually. But it's a cool path from trauma to like the one of the biggest movies, if not the biggest movie, is of last year, uh, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. So um, so so mm. good on, good on James for um for uh, for the Puffy song.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's just cut to the plot. Ken, could you tell me? In a nutshell, what super's about? Right on, I
0: pulled this from IMDB because I'm lazy. So here we go. After his wife, played by Liv Tyler, falls under the influence of a drug dealer called Jack or Jock. Uh, I never got that, but uh, regardless, <laughs> he's played by Kevin Bacon. Uh, an everyday guy, which is Rain Wilson's character, Frank, transforms himself in, in himself into a Crimson Bolt, a superhero with the best intentions, but lacking in heroic skills.
1: And along yes. the way,
0: uh, Paige's uh, character enters as bolty or Bolt girl or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so um we'll go for our thoughts in a nutshell as well. Briefly, what did you th- what did
0: you think? It's my second viewing. I saw it like. Because of my James Gunn interest. Uh, I I was really impressed by Sliver. Uh, uh, Like uh, one of those movies that could have worked very well in the 80s. And worked like he updated it well for 2006 or whatever. And I really like Super. It's one of those free-for-all movies that has the freedom being quite a small movie. This is not Guardians of the Galaxy Kids. Yes. And therefore anything goes. Essentially switch in moods and... I love that freedom. I I find it really inspiring that this movie doesn't care if it goes from wacky, violent, really distressing to, mm-hmm. in the end, quite sweet and sugary, but not in a yeah. bad way. So uh, it, it, the, the, the second viewing, uh, still, uh, the movie held
1: up on, on the second viewing. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, I think this... I feel this is my first proper watch of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't get... Um, as we said at the end of the last episode, Guthrie had bought it for me. It was like a Christmas present two years ago. So this is the first excuse I got to like rip the plastic off the, <laughs> oh, the cellophane off the DVD. Right on. And I'm, when watching it, I'm I've paused to have seen parts of it before. I think like that moment when he was getting touched by God was like a turn off before. I'm going right, this is just weird. Yeah, switched yeah. Over to something else. talk about out of
0: context, one of the most big sequences in the movies, and you mm-hmm. like it's not your everyday
1: sequence that either. I was like, what the hell is this? But yeah, I, I'm surprised. I felt like I was going to kind of accept it, like watch it, appreciate it, but kind of feel like it's maybe one of these films that could be too depressing at times. Like, you just feel that bad for the characters. But like it was, I was pleasantly surprised by the end of it. Like I kind of it went out on a high note. It,
0: you're absolutely spot on, because the movie doesn't pull any punches. Uh, Gunn wrote the script as well, and mm-hmm. he you. It's the classic underdog story in a way, but he pushes and punishes like you read about pre credits. Mm-hmm. He's uh, and and I totally like that. I wrote in my notes like challenge conventions as a filmmaker. Play by no rules, but find the folks that allow you to play with no rules like and they will allow you and these movies make film business a lot more interesting in my mind i Mm -hmm. mean sometimes it's the only thing that makes movie business i emphasize business interesting (laughs) but but not many people will see it that's the problem if you're going to be specialized and this is a small movie maybe not indie per definition not maybe not a safety not guaranteed small indie kind of thing but Mm -hmm. still like i don't think they're gonna super is gonna have this resurgence just because guardians is out there it's too out there i mean you mm-hmm. have like pre credit rejection you know at the prom and humili and humiliation on screen is getting spanked by his father uh the dude's getting pissed on as well mm-hmm. and like okay james i know what you're going for here like oh, okay uh. bring it like yeah, you want to show humiliation um we're gonna piss on the guy and this is the kind of movie, a small movie that will allow you that, to have a sequence playing for a few
1: seconds showing mm-hmm. that, and that's it because rain wilson's character frank it like that's it we we know he is like the loser like but like you're wondering, is he supposed to be this lovable loser Because we get to see that he has these two perfect moments mm-hmm. like one is like his wedding day, sure, and the other one is like where he helped like a police officer and got thanked for it. <laughs> he went that and way, it's, officer. <laughs> he like, "Thanks, pal." He was like, "Oh, that's it. Well, and, wh- why not the bird?" He felt helpful, you know. So exactly. Th- that is a perfect moment. So, but like. like in that same moment, like we find out that his wife has like this past of drugs, and like when he came home from work one day, and, and it's her and a group of friends getting stoned right there. That like, you could tell that you you're clinging to two perfect moments. One of them is crumbling. Yeah and there's all that, which just leaves on this sort of like one one solid perfect moment that he can't lose mm. but as soon as like the wife suggests well actually like Frank has this little creative edge where he does little illustrations mm-hmm. like he woke up that morning thinking I have two perfect moments in my life I'm going to draw them and I, look, I love like, that
0: he does them with crayons as well that's rather mm-hmm. sweet actually
1: <laughs> it's the whole fact that when Liv Tyler looks up he's uh, like Hands are a <coughs> bit big, are they not? Yep. <laughs> it just cuts to him sitting with the tepex. <laughs> <laughs> with his tongue out going, hmm, hmm, fix, fix. And then they've got these little dwarf hands holding pistols and <laughs> <laughs> uh, the wedding altar. Do, do, do you think, like, after all is said and
0: done, that it is kind of somewhat of a like character journey and affecting because of all the things that it does like like did did it get to you at some point following this movie because it's it's such a wild movie that it can be drowned out Mm -hmm. the the, like character drama if you will
1: well he comes across as one of these characters that you just don't want anything horrible to happen to him because he's like he's had that horrible childhood so you thought right and, <laughs> of course, we have to get put through, like, this emotional spin cycle of where things are going to get so much worse for him Yeah. before, like, he only he could make it better. Like, the fact that Kevin Bacon comes across as this almost anti-villain, like, sure, he's sort of the bad guy in this piece, but he comes across so positive, so helpful, like, he, he just wants to help the guy out. Like, it's cool. Uh, hey, you make terrific eggs. The fact that bacon is bra- what an egg The brown eggs, the, the brown last. eggs, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, they weren't exactly. brown eggs. Well, whatever. <laughs> Aye. It's like, we've got history. We're pals. Don't, don't take it too seriously. Like, your wife's my drug guinea pig now. <laughs>
0: yeah, there you go. There's the movie, folks. Like, the, the, it's... Um... It goes down those routes. I mean, I I found it hard to find him to find him positive, to be honest. Like he is a pretty vile character. He he tries to keep Frank at a distance, and like yeah. like, like it, it's over, pal. Like just go home. And uh, but then the whole touching his car scene, yeah. and it all escalates from there. Don't touch my car. No one touches my car. And I love that finger on the car. Well, that, well, well, that doesn't that, count.
1: That happens like all the time. Like there was a time where I was out drinking and. Uh, what was it, yeah, there was yeah, a gay friend, that. Right. and then there was a friend, well not a, like someone I remember, someone I went to school with who was very homophobic, and of course the gay guy, like this is just bait for him just to wind this guy's ticket yeah. and he's like, just didn't he touch me pal and of course he does the single finger poke on his shoulder, he's like, like whenever you say something like, don't touch that or like, do it again it's always the single finger poke yeah <laughs> like people know they it's just like challenging someone <laughs> when there's a drink of somebody it's it's just easy beat
0: it's a gun probably knew that as well like uh, it's probably a global thing but oh, I, I i love the it's the cool defiance by a character that's kind of fueled by getting his wife back yeah. and it's good that later in the movie we found out how they actually became husband and wife because it seems like this is loveless like how did this Ah, happen seems
1: a very mismatched couple
0: yeah but but it is all uh, the core is kindness which is a good little call for that she responded to his like you're not like other guys which is like we're talking romantic cliches here but i i think it's within all this wild mixture i think it's kind of heartfelt the way they fell in love and his that, that like fuels his making himself into a superhero... Uh, well, well, there's the vision from God, of course, which is that mm-hmm. wild and wacky sequence that, uh, you know, we might be spoiling things, but some scenes are cool little discoveries, um, as opposed to the whole uh, God sequence. Uh, but but mm-hmm. what I love about that is that within this movie, there's some CG, s- some minor things don't look good, but otherwise, James clearly is pushing for as much practical, gory effects as possible, like mm-hmm. when he uh, bashes that guy uh guy who butts in line when he smashes hit his head in. That oh. that makeup on him where his entire head is like like essentially split open. Really mm-hmm. cool stuff. And most of the like violence with the like the gunshots and what have you, it looks pretty real, some CG, but today we're not blessed, it with mm-hmm. people adhering to like the old old way of creating physical gore on set. But James comes from Troma's background where they had no money, really, to create physical gore, but they went about it creatively with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, slime and gels and, you know, and uh, that's uh, physical stuff that you have to clean up afterwards. But today, in today's movies, it seems like
1: they don't want to clean up after
0: anyone anymore. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. Um. What about Nathan Fillion's character in this film? <laughs> like he can't, Like, he is, like, he's never... In with like Rain Wilson's character, he's just like a channel on te- television, like the old Jesus Network. He's like the Holy Avenger, like Jesus Christ <laughs> meets Superman. And you he's know, just you, there. you know
0: what? I don't think that's much of a parody. I think Christian TV and propaganda is this. Open and out there. I don't think this Mm. as as much of a parody as it looks like, to be honest. But uh, it's uh, Nathan has no uh, shame, Uh, and that's (laughs) good. That's good. I I like a performer that's game. That uh, I'll sure put me in a stupid superhero costume next to a lady with huge boobs, despite this being Christian TV, and we'll have fun for a day or two. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I bet they have ton like hours of this stuff, uh, like them just fucking around.
1: Mm-hmm. now that's one thing i should have looked up but i've, I've neglected to but james gunn kind of has this a uh, definitive look around him he also has this spiky black hair yep and i'm almost convinced he plays the like this the their interpretation of the devil yep. in on it that is, television it channel him.
0: it is him I I, but, I I i looked up just in case as well the imdb mm-hmm. page and uh, you're right like uh, you, you can pick up pick out james pretty easily. He's apparently even Aye. in Guardians somewhere, but I don't know if he's covered up or not in
1: Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of uh, computer animated effects you could hide behind. Right, um, like, like, I love like... the
0: little sweat stains around Nathan Fillion's face mask. If you look at the movie again, <laughs> like the sweat stains around the eye area, like a little mm. detail. They've been doing this for a while and they don't wash that costume on that particular low-rent <laughs> Christian TV network. Yeah.
1: What I just thought was just unnerving was the fact that James Gunn's interpretation of that character just included a lot of tongue flicking, <laughs> like that, that, like, oh, that's sinister, isn't it? Aye, that, that's dirty. That's something the devil would do. Just go, <laughs> just <laughs> sitting poking his tongue out. It's an R-rated movie, so
0: why, yeah. why not go for it? Uh, but I, 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 like it. It's uh, like uh, they bring up kind of sliver alumni, uh, if you will, like. Uh, Nathan Fillion was, like, co-lead in Sliver. You got mm. Michael Rooker here as well. And I initially thought Michael Rooker would have, like, a mute performance because his first scene is him I... like, just, like, eating his candy and, uh, like, uh, looking mm. uh, looking, uh, looking Michael rooker he, he,
1: he was, like, just neutral. Like, he wasn't too hard to offer them a sweets. He was just, like, the silent but deadly type. Yeah. Like, maybe if the box of candies got knocked out of his hand, we've got to see a bit more character. But, yeah. no, that kind of just... It's like, he was like, just stop trying, pal. Like don't like just let her go, like this is not worth it. Like mm-hmm. he probably himself knew that Bacon's character wasn't worth it.
0: But yeah, uh, having Rooker in any movie is uh, is gold. I mean, I can't believe he's been around for so long. I remember watch starting watching movies on satellite TV once upon a time when when we first got it in the beginning of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like uh, the movie channel, we had the movie channels, and uh, Rooker was a character player back then as well. Like everything from JFK. The baseball movie Eight Men Out, which was mm-hmm. about uh, like uh, fixed games in like nineteen twenties, thirties baseball, and and still like uh, re- really good working actor, which yeah. has like he he will appear in cool stuff if it if it appeals to him because he's even reportedly going to appear in the Mallrats sequel, which he was in the first one. Like exactly. good on Rooker. Like just following the fun little like uh, let, let's see if that gets us anywhere because clearly he's well off to an enough extent where he can pick and choose, like, fun stuff, rather than like...
1: Aye, ah, exactly. Like, after spending time on, like, The Walking Dead, like, I'm not sure if that was, like, a big resurgence to his work, but, like, he was a fan favourite on that show and he got quite a choice role in Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Oh, yeah,
0: that's right.
1: And, uh, to me, I think maybe my first first time properly recognising him in a film is, like, one of the dodgy Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicles, uh, Replicant.
0: Oh, I love that movie. Where there's
1: like two Van Dams and...
0: Yeah, uh, Ringo Lam directed that. It was awesome. Like, it was really... I I like that movie a lot,
1: Mm -hmm. actually. I can't remember. Is Rooker the good guy? Like, that's one of these times Is he playing the villain or is he playing, like, the guy trying to help Jean-Claude Van Damme?
0: Uh, I think it was a cop in Replicant. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, I saw it once or twice, but I sold off the DVD for some unknown reason,
1: despite liking the movie. But... All right, because there's that. And then, of course, like, I think we all kind of recognize him from Mall Rats as well as just being like, he was like chief of security almost or like owner of the mall. Like he, he was an authority figure anyway.
0: Chrome dome, like you read about in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, If you haven't seen it still, um, it's a disturbing as hell movie, but the uh, Henry portrait of a serial killer. Like uh, uh, one that of his uh, first lead roles, yeah, the strong stuff. I mean, but he's really good in it, and uh, um, yeah. So, so ch- check that out if you have the stomach for it. It's not very gory,
1: but it's this very matter of fact, like uh,
0: vicious, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, obviously, we get Ellen Page's introduction uh, when Frank is trying basically researching his role as yep. the Crimson Bolt. Yep. So actually, he was basically looking for a top up of the Holy Avenger. He was one more of his Christian fix.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, it's uh, not enough that it's on TV.
1: It's ah, in comic book form as
0: well. It's big enough to that
1: extent. Mm-hmm. And right away, like they, they know they're in an R-rated movie when uh, Ellen Page utters the words, Holy Avenger, are cunt.
0: Yeah, it, it, this is not a movie that's, I uh, think... Uh, think political correctness is the way to go like i think she even refers to looking at the panels like look how mongoloid looking they are yeah and it's one of those they're not going after anyone here it's just like sometimes vicious speak it's not hate speech right but yeah. some sometimes this vicious speech for lack of a better word has a place in fictional movies like mm-hmm. uh, if, if you have an r rating then just go for it and uh, they they like... they do, but but I have a feeling people might have a problem with Paige's character because she's super fucking psyched nuts. psyched about yes. like like comic books, but then she's psyched about that he's the Crimson Bolt. And I don't know, what's your take on that? Did you think she was too big or not? Or?
1: Um, well, I it. it was. I, I don't know if it it's in the sense that they need to take it to the next level because. Super, I think, got compared a lot to Kick Ass, yep, which is another rated R off the cuff superhero movie, which, um, it, it has very similar themes in the sense of like people becoming self-made superheroes, not the fact that they've been given a ring or they've come from another planet. Like these people have made themselves well. Kick Ass does have, like, the whole. Uh, can't feel any pain type of thing but right. other than that some people might look at it thinking right, maybe they're just trying to one-up kick-ass because everyone was shocked at kick-ass when you seen like a 10-year-old Chloe Moretz whatever her, her full name is, yeah. like uh, dropping C-bombs and calling people cocksuckers, it's like that's a little girl saying that, that's awesome. crazy and we... Super, like, right? We've got Ellen Page. She looks like a twelve-year-old, but she's just like dropping f bombs, c bombs, like an automatic pistol. She's just like just offending on all levels to some to some people, I'd imagine. Like, yeah, I, I, it's I almost as if she's like people expected from a twelve-year-old boy. Like they would expect that filth just to pour out of their mouth. Yeah, but to see like a a really not exaggerated but like a really hyper excited girl just well maybe just really over enthusiastic
0: yeah i i but I, I, just I, I like a sailor i like her overall it seems like she's uh like she she finds essentially someone to i can talk so comics to someone finally but she mm. like no one is truly stable in this movie obviously and she is she's Not one of the sane ones, clearly, as she gets into, like, uh, okay, you can be my sidekick kind of subplot and all of that. But I I like her energy, and it's, like, I don't dislike any choice, really, in this movie, because Mm. it's one of those, like, uh, I'll, like, I will do this wild thing now. Oh, and I will do this. Like, the gear switching is really appealing to me i know for a fact that this movie will divide and probably throughout the years because it's mm-hmm. about four years old or whatever it has divided viewers like what's the i mean wasn't it a comedy why is he stabbing that now? And why is he crying and why is, why is he pissing i mean that's not funny yeah. and like i don't know are, are you receptive to that kind of thing like um because you've been watching hong kong movies of course <laughs> like i have like we, we know that Right, the gear switching is a mm. tradition almost. I'm uh, I'm I'm kind of desensitized, I suppose. But when it's done right, and it's fun, which this is, despite also being kind of emotional and bloody and gore and distressing. I I'll just go with it. It's fun to see someone just don't care about logical movie conventions and structure, like just go for it. And mm-hmm. I, I I gotta admire that personally. But I, but what about you? Do,
1: are you receptive to the wildness of mind that way? I Sometimes, I, I'm not sure if it could be, like, I might need to be surrounded by some sort of comfort in the sense that maybe if it's faces or, like, direct, like... Here's an example. If Kevin Smith took some of these choices, I would be more receptive to it, to, like, a director that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. Like, Tusk is probably the perfect example for Kevin Smith for going that far left and... I I could say that I quite like the film, but maybe because I'm comfortable with the director, I know why he went in this direction. Uh, Going in blind to, like, seeing this James Gunn film, seeing the weird directions he does, like, at times, like, they they get all, like, 60s Batman and start throwing up uh, (laughs) screen effects. Boom, boom, whack. Exactly, And and like that, and super hyper characters, like, that could be a big turn off to some people. And sellers like could share the same energy as it. So at times like some, it's almost like a roller coaster analogy where yeah. you could be like you might be one taken for the ride, and sometimes like eh, I think I'll just watch it from a distance. It can be quite um, exhausting,
0: I think, in the in uh, depending on the viewer you are, and uh, but I. I you know, there is that saying of when when the rhythm is off, like, you feel it. And when the rhythm is on, you don't feel it. You just go with the flow. And then mm-hmm. the, this is a case of uh, me watching this kind of... Uh, it, it's kind of a hyper-reality to this movie. Like, it yeah. seems like it's set in the real world. The colors are very muted. It looks depressing as shit sometimes, this mm-hmm. movie. And then these superheroes, like, pop compared yes. to... But uh, it's still... It, it is still interesting to follow as... Uh, Follow the characters, especially Frank. Like, I never feel that the movie strays despite it going in all kinds of directions. And, uh, and Rain Wilson, I mean, I'm sure you're like a big fan of his because of The Office. Definitely. I've not seen you as The Office because I'm I'm, not that I'm a snob or anything, I just feel like I i I don't need it personally. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, like, he, he doesn't fit to be a superhero, but that's obviously the point but by the end he mm-hmm. does the hero shots and the action really well he looks awesome mm-hmm. like by the end when shit's on yeah. when when the really heinous stuff has happened like the, the spoiler stuff has happened yeah. like then now now i'm going for it now i'm the hero now i'm shooting guns left and right and stabbing people and it's it's cool it looks cool he shoots him in a cool way too uh, james
1: mm-hmm. like and uh, the old- When he first becomes the Crimson Bolt and he discovers that he needs a weapon, like the wrench, and we get that awesome crime-fighting montage of where, like, it's almost seen a kid on a bike with training wheels. Like, how he adverts the... Like, the woman getting her bag snatched, that's in the wheelchair. Like, he just happens to wipe her out as well as the bag snatcher. And then we get, like, clips of... Oh, the guy molesting the child in the car yeah
0: <laughs> oh my god there's that
1: in that movie too
0: it's, it's we don't see it obviously but he starts unzipping his fly and listeners that's what in, in this movie too like he catches all different kinds of vicious vile human beings not just villains drug dealing villains but pedophiles and
1: shit mm-hmm. and like dropping that uh, cinder block like from a grey height to the guy a uh, dresses as a woman Oh, I forgot about like, that scene, actually. <laughs> like, it's it's just wee snap moments, but it's, they do these great cutaway shots from just like a moment before the the block hits him, her, yeah. on the head. Yeah. And it's just, like, it kind of shows, like, it is a film of darker tones. Oh, yeah. like We, we know this already of tentacles and scalps being opened and being uh, rubbed by God. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, as like we do get all this crazy violence, like as you said, like the no butts guy who gets cracked across the face with the range uh, for like the guy cutting in line. Yeah, like, and, you, and, and you drop
0: sympathy at that point, like, oh my god, are we like? Oh that's my not god, he- right. him. yeah, exactly. It's like that was not warranted that piece of violence. So, like, gun plays with us, uh, and uh, you you can drop out of a movie at that point, like if you're not depending on the viewer you are but um like it, it's fun it's still fun to follow and uh, like it even it kind of hits me by the end it might be very manipulative but like there, there is this emotional crescendo towards the end that like almost verges on being satirical where like I'm gonna give them a big emotional ending but I think Stuart that James has probably said to himself writing this why can't I mean? Like, like I, I rather I mean what I say and do like why I, I can probably do that like I after all that while I can probably mean what I say and I do and all the whole ending where everything turns out all right mm-hmm. and all sugary and melodramatic with all the paintings on the wall. Aye. I gotta say it's it works for some unknown reason like the journey is complete after all that. Mm. madness and uh, gore and uh, just Paige's character dying in this very vicious
1: way and all of that so I'm kind of glad it went that happy at the end because through the first half of the film like where we get to see all these upsetting moments in Frank's life and it's all like played with this background sound of like someone just going la 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 and it's like Man, this even I think mean, if it's just this I'll try this depressing me, like things are looking bleak, but it's just this generic repetitive lan that yeah. just kinda of made me like God, I hope this gets better. Like for him and for us watching it.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, but obviously all of all of Frank's exploits leads up to the point where he does get up to Jock's house and, <laughs> and smashes the window <laughs> and just like faces, like face the wrath of the crimson bolt, and then like they all pull out pistols, and he runs.
0: Yeah, he hasn't built any um, bulletproof armor because he's not capable <laughs> exactly. of that. I mean, he's a pretty it's good. It's uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good seamstress, if you will. Uh, exactly. But uh, that's that's pretty much it. It's uh, it's strange how I don't know how much kick Kickass influenced this because. Um, Day, it's listed as 2010, this, uh but released in 2011, mm-hmm. and who knows how close these ideas were to each other? Like sometimes ideas come up at the same time, you well, know. So like I, it,
1: I'm pretty sure, like this is just a coincidence that they're being paired together because Kick-Ass was like its own comic book series before yeah. it became a movie, so they've probably been out there. But Guns is very different. It's just the fact that. It's not a Marvel, it's not a DC, yeah. and it's it a higher rate, and there's a lot of cussing, and like female sidekicks. Like it probably, it's just coincidences that there's these connections.
0: Yeah, I remember one lovely coincidence that happened like going way back uh, uh, when This is Spinal Tap came out. Right at the same time, the uh, comic uh, strip specials uh, in the UK came out on the mockumentary of the band the Bad News. With right. uh, Adrian Edmondson Mayall, and Rick Mayle and Nigel Planer and all of that. And it all, like, it happened at the same time. They had the same idea at the same time, which is, like, a great coincidence. Because Spinal Tap and Bad News are quite, are both awesome. So so who, who knows how, like, uh, if Gunn, like, looked at kick as the comic book prior and, like, then didn't follow, like, a movie development happening mm. while he was writing his script. Like, who, who knows? I don't know how vocal he has been about that stuff, but... I, I I was not a huge fan of Kick-Ass. Uh, I, I liked the Nicolas Cage and Hit-Girl mm-hmm. scenes a lot. Like And they <laughs> even like, I don't know who wrote the script to Kick-Ass, if it was Matthew Vaughn or not, but like they, even in the Dinah sequence, they have a little trivia game in Kick-Ass and they yeah. reference one of John Woo's first directorial movies, not of a killer, yeah. a bullet in the head. They mentioned the young dragons,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: like, My God, I feel like such a nerd now, but that was awesome. Like, no one mentions Young Dragons even in the Hong Kong cinema community because it's kind Mm. of an obscure movie. But uh, yeah, I I kind of forgot about the rest of Kick-Ass, but Nicolas Cage and Hit-Girl, that that was great, great stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I think almost... One of the points, like, when Frank shows up at Libby's house with the gun wound in his leg, we almost get to see them... Uh, not may, not really a parody, but it kind of changes up one like these well-known comic book traits of the female character always being like the mender, the nurse, the medic, mm-hmm. to an injured male character. Like we've seen this, in I'm pretty sure there's several films. The recent ones, like of course, is Rosario Dawson's character like the Daredevil TV series. Mm-hmm. Like they always conveniently have this female character that could sew wounds. And when it comes to Ellen Page trying to uh, fix uh, Rainn Wilson's leg, she just botches it up. He's screaming, she's screaming. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and then, like, she's sitting, like, mispronouncing, like, ibuprofen. I was, like, was going to give you ibuprofenes. Like, I was like, what are you going to do with ibuprofen's? I was like, I don't know. What do we do with ibuprofenes? Which <laughs> is nice to see, like, w- you got the opposite of what you were expecting in that moment. Yeah, because they
0: are not superheroes. They're not in a universe with anything supernatural, so that's why there's got to be hu-
1: human elements here too. And all that, I was like head to toe in black bags. Like, what the f- what the fuck's he doing here? And he was still just trying to conceal his identity. <laughs> yeah, which is like
0: most that, that is a running gag. That's sort of subtle, but one of the henchmen of Kevin Bacon's Jack or Jock, he mm. always recognizes him, like even with a mask on. Like, that's her husband. But for Aye. some reason his face is so distinctive rain wilson's face is so Aye. so distinctive anyway so that, that mask doesn't really conceal anything despite it being quite a substantial mask i i like that little thread that that's him that's mm-hmm. totally him like uh, like who might you be crimson bolt i don't know who that is like what's the secret identity of him nope they totally recognize him almost every time
1: Aye. <laughs> there's no batman bruce Wayne moments here like,
0: almost, like like it doesn't conceal his voice either necessarily. He just speaks louder in any in Crimson Bolt like his scripted lines like the Crimson Bolt has arrived or uh, like, shut up, Frame. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's a nice little subtle, Fred. Like he does not get a lot of lead roles,
1: doesn't he? Rain Wilson. No, no. Nah. Like when it comes when I was looking at movie connections, like Rain Wilson doesn't have many. Like sure, he was like a ah. Uh, like, in one scene of Juno, and he had, like, a comedy, The Rocker. And it's, like, one of these movies, like, Ah, Jack Black must have, like, been busy. And then, like, <laughs> okay. he says, you'll do. That's the kind of the way it feels, but... Like, sometimes I... I, I feel maybe Rain Wilson's almost a recluse when it comes to acting. Like, sure, he done all The Office. He'd done, like, a, a... Not, like, a serious crime drama, but, like... He's the detective that I need to go to and he's like the drunk guy at the stripping club and mm-hmm. uh he's always waking up fucking eating fast food and like he's the slob cop, but he's the one that gets the job done. But that got cancelled after the first season. Oh. And like he always seems to be like really big on his charity efforts. So it almost at times it doesn't look like acting his number one priority.
0: Yeah, do you remember if he had any more behind-the-scenes credits? Because I think he's listed as um, one of the producers on this one as well. So maybe he's, uh, like has a little bit of foot in acting, a little bit of foot in uh, produ- yeah, producing and stuff.
1: stuff. But obviously we get to that point in the story where uh, Libby fully, like, she like, knows he's the Crimson Bolt. You need a female sidekick. You need, like, the kid. Uh, what was the examples? The creeping bam. Um, yeah, what was that? Bolty. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like when she obviously goes, gets her costume, comes out, and comes in with his edge of a character—the fact that she starts sexualizing herself in the costume to the Crimson Bolt—and it's like that's inappropriate. Yeah, please stop.
0: Yeah, she she is, uh she is a kid after all. It's like the movies Aye. afraid to push those buttons. Uh, either and who knows deep down how. If that is a bit of a comment on sexualizing in comic books and comic book movies, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's not really my world uh, to be honest. So, uh, but but good, good on Gun for at least pushing those buttons because it's not there for us to go, hur, 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 like here we go. Like it, it, it <laughs> is uncomfortable.
1: Like <laughs> it, like mm-hmm. it, it's supposed to be, and it is. And like when they get their first mission and it's eh, justice for Jerry, almost <laughs> like there's a guy like like keyed my friend's car. Then they go there like, ruin his face and like then we get to see her the fact that she's a maniac like the, I'm pretty like, sometimes people talk about putting the mask they become someone else I'm sure she's just as crazy without the mask because, like, they glass this boy she picks up, like, a almost like a marble statue head and it looks like they're going to just cave this boy's head in to the point where, when they're leaving, she admits, "Yeah, I think it was him." <laughs> yeah,
0: the catalyst is crimson bolt for all these this madness. Like he, she's probably been keeping all of that in, and now it's coming out like two hundred miles per hour. And like mm. yeah, she, she's super psyched, of course. Like, uh, like she's high on this uh, this Definitely. adrenaline times whatever you know.
1: It's like this output she's been waiting for. Yeah, and like it comes like that next scene when they get recognised at the petrol station. And Rain Wilson's having to run. And then she takes over. She hops in the car, like, (laughs) destroys the shins of that one boy. And then Wilson manages to shoot the other. And that's the point where, like, there's so much witnesses and they can't decide whether they're cheering for them or they're a wee bit, like... She just, like, ran that guy over. Yeah. And she's out there. She's, like, like, basically touting them. Like just making it aware that they're here, crying. Better watch out. It, it's it's cool.
0: It's it's kind of clever to make to like play with us, to play with our emotions and sympathies by having them commit these li- very violent acts. Uh, we we're not cheering necessarily necessarily for a guy who probably would die if you backed the car away from him. You know, one of those mm. like horrible accidents. Like, and it it's good that gun. He he. There's no compelling violence here at all. Mm. Regardless, if it, like when Kevin Bacon gets it, like yeah, we want him to get it, of course. But there's nothing compelling about violence. There's no fun in the violence here. And I think that's a clever, like, balance to have present here. Um, and uh, this muted color palette helps to like. There's barely any color in this movie. Like, uh, and uh, like one of the good things about digital technology, I assume, is this ability to just. Drain the
1: look of movies like like this. Ah, and, uh, it, that's it's, sepia tone Yeah, almost, almost. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then like we get all this really great creative creativity when they talk about making bombs, and then there's these colorful explosions behind them. <laughs> like just like bombs, yay! <laughs>
0: It, it, it's a bit of a, it is a roller coaster, and it's um, I I have no problem being with it, but it must feel for a completely unsuspecting audience that maybe it's are used to movies in general. It mm-hmm. must be akin to just being
1: jerked around
0: physically, like like I'm just settling in, and whoa,
1: ah, like, now she's trying to rate the Crimson Bolt. Yep, yep, it goes that <laughs> way. I know, and, and that's a, It is pushing the envelope that far, like we're going to the point where like Robin is trying to have sex with Batman. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it happens. <laughs> well, 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 thankfully they don't, well, no, not thankfully. I'm just saying that Crimson Bolt isn't like when she's in a disguise, it's now mm-hmm. a boy. Like it's clear that it, it's supposed to be a female sidekick. You know? Yes. Aye. So, but uh, yeah, it, uh, while he's pushing uh, the envelope, he might as well have done that too. Like, I'm wh- when you're masked, your boy. Like, uh, and then that <laughs> sex scene would have happened. Like, uh, it seems like no one said no on this movie, which I like. Mm. It's uh, s- small enough where no one says no, and it can get a limited release anyway. Because I doubt this went out wide. I really doubt it. Like, it's yeah. on streaming, as obviously on
1: disc. but Aye. I doubt it went out wide and because, uh, then- yeah. Sorry, man. It has like this moment, like obviously they have a sex scene, and his first instinct is to run through to the bathroom and throw up. Yeah. And in, in that image, like comes like Liv Tyler, in the vomit, and part of me thought is is this him getting her out of his system? Yeah, yeah, true. Was well, that almost baseline interpretation of him getting over his wife?
0: It's a, it's interesting. It's like it's like a risk factor there, like because he clearly by the end has not forgotten about the priorities in his yeah. life so maybe that that that's a riskier uh, thing <laughs> neat little cg thing there like in the middle of the fake vomit to get uh-huh. like uh, it almost looked like she had turned into the demon uh like that the demon personality that it, like he claims he has visions you know but yes. uh, like uh, that thing is like obviously all in his head, like it's no, it, there's no supernatural thing in this movie where he does get t- he does get touched by the finger of God who rolls a hot dog over his brain and stuff like that. Obviously, a <laughs> lot of it is in his head, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting that he it it looked to me like he was viewing her as a demon now
1: and lost uh, like in that moment uh, in, in a puke. Yeah, <laughs> and when like they finally uh, crimson bolt and bolty Storm like Bacon Manor, um...
0: Bacon Manor. <laughs> that would be awesome. if it <laughs> was called that like Meta.
1: Kevin Bacon,
0: um... and you call it Bacon Manor. That's not awfully clever, James Gunn. But I'm getting paid, and I'm I'm going with it. So, whatever. <laughs> what else?
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's just like when they start their assault on on uh, Jock's men, and we get like them throwing explosives, and uh, we get this great like. Obviously the big moment that happens to begin with, like when they both get shot, like Rain Wilson's like out of breath, and then we get that absolute amazing that has looked almost like has to be physical makeup. Obviously there must be some CG in, but the fact that they have Ellen Page lying there with like a quarter of her skull gone.
0: Yeah, if that, if there was any CG there that was very well concealed, that looked like a, a very much a physical appliance on top of her because aye, I wonder, I, I, like the, the best makeup men and women can make like depth like like appear aye. physically because that as you said the skull is literally missing it's not just surface like you can see into the skull and i doubt they built a puppet like it, it yes, looks like aye. looks like her laying really really still
1: i wonder if it's like one of these combinations where she's had maybe part of her face painted green maybe then had like the the crater like the engine of but well, what was le- left over face was like physical makeup, and yep. but it was. It was just like that one shot, and like both me and Margaret were like, "Fuck!" Like that—that's—that's that's her story finished.
0: <laughs> and there, and because we can't decipher how it was done, thankfully, here is a movie that uses therefore computer imagery well. It, ah. it like uh, it's its getting worse and worse, my friend. Like, (laughs) CG imagery, especially gore. CG gore and squibs and what have you. I I don't know about you, but um, if a movie is going for that, Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, having squibs, uh, gun wounds, CG, Mm -hmm. and blood blood flying and all of that, I'm out of the movie pretty damn quickly. This uses a mixture and uh, most of it is physical, but I I can only think of one movie where I sat there and, and accepted it because it was fairly well done. A movie that had CG... Blood all over the movie, and it was mm. dread. The the, right. the the recent dread movie, it looked yeah. fine there, but my god, do you remember seeing that movie Ninja Assassin with rain?
1: <laughs> I, I never, I never went to, I never watch, seen it. Don't watch I it. I definitely mean, know what you're on about.
0: Or if you treat it like a cartoon, and it was like it's raining and it's on fire, and... <sighs> and the blood was so badly done. Like it could, at one point, they should have just made it into a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, oh my god! And if so, if kids think that looks good, then um, my god, what, watch some old <laughs> movies, kid, and watch what, like, what's cool. And Actually, I'm ju- I'm judging you if you like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think movies like maybe Ninja Assassin are nicely forgotten about.
0: Well, in that case, it's deserved because like, they because they'll...
1: in the sense that, like, if that was a vehicle to launch like Korean Popeye idol Rain, it never worked. Nope. So the only Korean that
0: kind of broke through in Hollywood is obviously
1: Lee Byung Hun, but, uh, but, uh, but rightly so. I like it, I like it. So. Aye, like uh, they've like what have they done? They they've, they've kind of transformed him a little by turning him into a uh, uh, Byung Hun Lee.
0: Yeah, obviously, the, like the
1: reversal happens exactly.
0: Like like we're ble- like there's there's a mi- it's a miracle that Chaya Fat was Chaya Fat on screen and uh, mm-hmm. but like even stuff like uh, I know this is a way off topic but like even when Kirk Wong directed his first movie all of a sudden it was check Kirk Wong like oh, oh, like <laughs> nothing's right here like hello <laughs> what's happening here but obviously I knew knew who it was uh, uh, despite
1: mm-hmm. so obviously we get uh, the Crimson Bolts assault on the mansion uh Michael Rourke. Gets a bloody end. Rooker, Rooker
0: for heaven's sake.
1: <laughs> Not Rourke. That's it. Last week on *The Guardians of the Galaxy*, several times we get getting mixed up with Mickey Rourke, uh, the wrestler. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's easily done. Next time, there's gonna be neither of them in the film we mentioned. Hopefully, <laughs> um, blade and Bacon's nuts. Yeah, why not? It's a yep. g- it's a good callback. Here's like s-
0: standard but good movie structure because that's one of the weapons, like the projectiles. And mm-hmm. how do we use it? We won't like use it as it won't get impaled in someone's chest
1: or head, right, right into his balls. <laughs> and it's just like he reacts to it, it's like oh, my balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as say like, um. After all is said and done, he gets the he gets Liv Tyler back and he takes her he he, he takes her through like cold turkey he sobers her up. And it's in that last sugar coated montage of he knows it's not right, she moves on, she has a family, and how it all kinda plays back onto him, like the the positive aspect of him doing that good favour, how it's paying him off tenfold. Yeah. Um. And it's just watching it, and it just made me think that Rain Wilson is an excellent and really underused like actor. Yeah. Um. That that speech he does. Um. Like the rules were set a long time ago. Like, those, like his Punisher moments. Mm-hmm. Like when he was delivering lines like that, like it was great. But it's just the fact, like at one moment he just says, "Yeah, I got the rabbit." And it's just like all these, there is these gushy moments where it, it's like, a oh man, it's 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 all happening. He's having a great, a nice, happy ending. And no one by that point, I hope, is
0: thinking in the back of their heads like, well, what about the police investigation? That would have happened in the wake of like. It doesn't really matter. Like, like
1: you know, this guy needed the happy ending.
0: Exactly, and you know why? Like, like how I described that James Gunn just pours it on where I thought like, oh my God, is he satirizing happy endings? Because Liv Tyler moves on to someone where she has like four or five kids and it's super (laughs) duper happy and emotional. And he gets like continually a lot of crayon paintings. I I, I kind of assumed that they were sent to
1: him by... Ah, It looks like a mixture because it's either like... Uh, His good deeds paying off because he's Uncle. Like that's the he gets called uh, Uncle Frank. Yeah, and he gets all these, all these cartoon, uh, all these crayon drawings. Yeah. Then amongst it, some are his own crayon drawings. Yeah. And it could have been, oh fuck, he's lost it completely, and now he's covered his walls with drawings of memories of days gone by, and he's a psychopath of a rabbit. But no, I think it's you know (laughs) he. he, uh, uh,
0: It's sweet, and he dares to love again. Like in the beginning of the movie, he says that he can't, like, he uh, can't buy the up. rabbit because he he, he, he doesn't get, dare loving again. To
1: leave me as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like a small role by um, I don't know if you know her or not. Uh, Li- uh, 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 Linda Cardellini. I, I know ah. her from the ER mostly, but she played one of the characters in Scooby Doo, I believe. Maybe right. uh, maybe uh, like the glass-eyed one with short hair. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, it's like one of those very small roles she was in the credits and I was like hey hey uh, she, she I like her and then she has that one scene as the pet store clerk and uh, that, yeah. that's. Uh, but but why not like uh, probably uh, like um, did, did it as a favor because she is big enough actress where she can get bigger gigs this is not like this is what I'm doing now the <laughs> smallest gigs possible so
1: Yeah so um do you have any final thoughts on the film? Other than, I'm, I,
0: if you're ready for a whirlwind kind of time and you are receptive to all kinds of moods, you know from the beginning that it's probably going to be a bit dark. This doesn't look like uh, fun and light and wacky. It, it's it's a rollercoaster and a whirlwind ride, but if you're receptive to movies that play by no studio rules, clearly, mm-hmm. that do whatever the hell they want for 90 swift minutes, uh, then, by God, go and watch it. It's fun. It's violent and depressing and dark, but it is fun, Mm -hmm. and uh, like uh, don't be like uh, you'll be fooled by even the credit sequence, the the wonderfully 2D animated credit sequence that is an animated dance number set to uh, uh, set to uh, Sars Calling All Destroyers, which is an excellent song by quite a forgotten band that I think got a little bit of an upswing by being featured in this movie, like, almost the entirety of uh, Calling All Destroyers is featured in the the opening, and it's rousing, like, yeah, rock and roll! And then the movie starts. Uh, Well, (laughs) well, the movie has started with some depressing stuff, then that comes on, and Um, then it continues on, like, a variety of paths, which I think is uh, wonderful, and uh, it's a cool song to open up. You know, you don't see that too much nowadays, credit sequences like that, but credit sequence is structured around almost the entirety of one song and timed to the song as well, mm-hmm. we, which is kind of cool. As so I'm, I'm guessing James Gunn being, I'm guessing he's quite into music, uh, judging by this, judging by the Guardians soundtrack, which I gather uh, is uh, a lot of like okay, uh, variety of styles and stuff.
1: A very important element of the film. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, fur- I I thoroughly thoroughly recommend it personally. Uh, so, I'll, uh, I'm one of those like I watch a lot of stuff on streaming, don't buy enough, but di- di- this is obviously something I I would like to pick up. But hopefully, the blue is uh, has some extras and stuff because it's if Aye. it's a movie only blue, then I might as well continue watching it on streaming.
1: Ah, exactly. Um, right. So, some trivia. I've I picked up two notes. Uh, the ones I found particularly interesting, anyway. Uh, The role of Jock was originally supposed to be played by Jean-Claude Van Damme (laughs) up until one week before shooting. Oh no, really? Uh, Gunn said that the guy was kind of AWOL. Uh, I just couldn't risk that type of personality on this movie. Right. So uh, thinking like back five years, because I I remember Jean-Claude Van Damme was kind of a bit of a... A wild card. He seems more grounded nowadays. Yeah, that
0: was like, like he... earlier in the 2000s. By 2010, I think wasn't J.C.V.D. the exactly. Belgi- Belgian or French movie out Aye. around that time. So, but uh, who knows what his if his like his professional behavior, regardless if it's alcohol or drug fueled as it was, mm-hmm. if it's like
1: uneven nowadays. I don't know. He, he's still working, obviously, uh, and uh, so. But, like, the fucking balls on Kevin Bacon to jump on a project, like, a week before starting. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes people need to do, like, months and, or have to go to places, to get the character. Like, but, like, I guess Kevin Bacon's, like, an old hand at, like, yes, he's been around. Yeah. Like, from being, like, sport in horror movies to, like, getting footless.
0: Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, uh, footloose exactly. tremors. I remember first him in, so or some stuff like that. So I'm sure he can launch into it and uh, felt that this uh, movie had some playtime for him. Uh, like, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he's enjoying himself. It's not a phoned-in performance at
1: all. Yeah, and uh, towards the end of the movie, Liv Tyler's character, uh, when she's in her group rehab session, you could briefly hear the audio that she states. Uh, She was uh, fucked up, insecure, neurotic and emotional. And this is a reference to her father, uh, Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith, for his 1980s song Fine, which that is an acronym of the same line.
0: Right, okay.
1: Nice. Nice pull, James Gunn. Nice pull. A a cheeky nod.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Box office and budget. The movie was made on the budget of $2.5 million. Mm -hmm. Very, very modest. And uh, according to like, the facts and figures on box office Mojo, it only pulled in uh, three hundred twenty-seven thousand seven hundred sixteen dollars.
0: Oh. Didn't even break one million. Wow! No, that must wow. have been
1: small, like
0: you read about. As a small, uh, a small run, a small uh, like limited yeah, yeah, screenings, right. and then it was
1: gone. And this, unfortunately, it seems to be missing a uh, foreign cinema on box office modules. so this is like excluding the uk like i'm positive i had a uk release right like well, I, I probably would have been limited here as well maybe yeah. on the festival circuit but like i, 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 I just... doubt
0: it blew up in like france like when i feel like I, ah. I think it was small around the world i mean uh, and uh, and obviously over here uh, we never heard of it either until a video essentially
1: definitely and uh when it comes to the awards, it did pick up a AQCC award at the Fantasia Film Festival uh, for James Gunn. And I tried to look up what that acronym stood for and did not get any help at all. An award is an award, nonetheless. Exactly. <laughs> at least it's not rude. <laughs> or, or like a rassy or whatever. <laughs> Definitely. Um, the Internet's Reaction, IMDB rated it 6.8 out of 10. Right on based on 55,898 users. Now, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, Ken, what percentage out of 100 do you think it received?
0: Well, isn't it... uh, Normally on my iStream Guide app, I see, like, both the how rotten or fresh it is versus, like, critics percentage. But but, but I'm guessing you just want a
1: rotten or fresh AI, percentage. This, this is basically the critics percentage. Right.
0: Well, and I think uh, it might have, like, a 60% approval. Kind of comes out at
1: 48. Whoa. That's low. Aye. Um, that comes out, it was 116 critics reviewed it, 56 positive, and 60 negative. Wow. So, there,
0: there is that thing of this being a hard movie to review. I, I think some critics and yeah. audiences demand a movie to be one thing. Nothing wrong with that. But but mm-hmm. I think that, that could be its uh, like doom in terms of crit, uh, um, grades, like uh, getting a good grade or not. Uh, so, so, you know, I
1: don't blame them. Uh, so I had a little sift through Rotten Tomatoes, and I've chosen some of the, the more choice Rotten Quotes. I quite like poking fun at it. <laughs> Uh, Just some of the people whose heads are clearly up their asses sometimes. Hey, let me ask you this. Is this from users or actual critics? This is the the critics. Oh. And I have their sources as well. So, uh, (laughs) And some of them are horribly dated. Uh, MSN movies. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I've quoted, if Gunn had a sense of how to shape a scene or how to shoot a scene attractively, then this film would be dull. As it is, it's criminally inept and that I, I
0: hate that stuff because that's coming from critics who have no idea what it what it goes into making a movie you can mm-hmm. criticize a movie for that you didn't like it but if you criticize the technique like that i think that's rather unfair like mm-hmm. you you sometimes you have no right to say that this isn't skilled like uh, something that's out of focus that's not skill you know what i mean like uh, but i think that's totally unfair and uh Shame on that critic if he or she got paid <laughs> to write that,
1: because. Uh, mm. Mm. Uh, our next one, uh Nick Shagger. <laughs> um, <laughs> right on, Nick Shagger. <laughs> Give me something good. A R G R, from Slant Magazine, the bleak, crazy, postmodern superhero saga Kickass aspired to be, which doesn't prevent it from being sluggish, derivative, and beyond obvious derivative of what exactly like a <laughs> kick-ass no and uh film. that's why .com. i never
0: read these things i, I just get I, kind of annoyed i, I, do. I have
1: to, i have to choose them because it just makes me laugh right because uh, like this last one film.com a superhero <laughs> needs a mission super needs a point mm,
0: punny Punny, punny writing. Like, uh, (laughs) I I remember one of the critics that reviewed, like, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and he said, like, he talked of the ratings of the movies, Uh, right? And this movie is not rated (laughs) R. You know, oh, it's right. it's that critic that you remember that He's that walked it. out on Clocks Two, and Kevin Smith had a little bit of verbal back and forth with him, and like a year later, mm. that critic was dead. He, uh, he had cancer. Ah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he had cancer, but he was one of those punny critics. Like rated R, snore.
1: <laughs> but uh, it now comes down to our rating of the film. So we like to call it the Five Finger Film Punch. Cue the music. Ah, that's it. On so, Ken, rate this movie one out of five. Oh well, no, not one out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh, put ratings in gone. my mouth, sir. Uh, from one fuck this film to five, uh, which is the equivalent of a steel Boot three D uh, fucking cheeseburger supreme. Ooh, you, you're putting putting work
0: uh, like in ratings and the show structure and stuff. I'm impressed, Stuart. <laughs> uh, but uh, and you've given me these ratings. So I know how to w- what category to choose, and I choose a four out of five, which means watch it, buy it, watch it again. And I've done two of those things. I've watched it and I've watched it again, but I haven't bought it. But it still yes. deserves a four.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I think it has to be the same for me. Like it just edges out of a one-watch wonder. Like it, it's not a highly rewatchable film because it has its ups and downs and there's only, like, probably so many times you could take the sugar-coated ending before, sure, like, sure. right, you know how it's going to end.
0: It's not one of those that sticks with you, where you're like, God, I experience it again, because it's not an event picture like that. Uh, like, 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 I'm sure if you liked Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know, because I didn't listen like to the that, show. Exactly. like, L- like you, a, you 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 would want to see that back. again, probably mm. at the cinema, like, the next day or next week or whatever. Like, uh, so it's not an event picture like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, a. Uh, Next time on the Films and Swear movie podcast, uh, our connection is, funnily enough, Kevin Bacon. Uh, we will be reviewing the action crime drama Death Sentence.
0: Yeah, I suggested this. It's um, I was recommended it by, I remember just now that uh, I, was, I was speaking to John Crane many years ago. A good mm-hmm. friend, John Crane, over at the podcast on Fire Network, and he's a good friend of yours as well. Um, mm-hmm. That he kind of liked that as a good like update to the Death Wish formula, uh, the the Vigilante Thriller formula. And and, uh, I I liked it. I'm not fully on board with that movie. It has some weakness towards the end, but uh, as uh, an update to that basic Vigilante Thriller, it's quite effective. And um, I I like that James Wan did something else for once. I I got a bit tired seeing James Wan uh, connected to... uh, horror and so and stuff like that so it was good mm-hmm. to see him like abandon that so uh, that, that, that's why i left that suggestion in the
1: films and swearing box <laughs> all right so that is will be episode 68 so this is this is your chance go ahead watch it um might have to find it in store possibly or on those darker corners of the internet um, it, it's
0: one of those like it's been out for so long, I'm not sure it even has a Blu-ray release, so but it should be available there for cheaply, uh, live on streaming or renting and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. on ver- a variety of Netflix regions. I
1: don't remember if UK have it on. I've not looked yet, but yeah. um, other things, a little housekeeping before we leave. Uh, check out filmsandswearing.com. Uh, we've got all of our Edinburgh International Film Festival coverage. Uh, we have reviews of Dead Rising, Watchtower, Misery Loves Comedy, Maggie, and uh, hopefully, by the time this is live, we'll have my review of The Houses That October Built.
0: Right, you you so. you, you must be pooped after this uh, coverage if you did this all by yourself.
1: It is, it was uh, eight films across two weeks, so... Right. Impressive. Impressive, really. But,
0: yeah, I... Did, I did, did, did you attempt as well, or did you just... Well, well, uh, you, well you must have,
1: since you reviewed course. the movie, so, okay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I did not qualify as press on this occasion. Uh, as I mentioned on last our last podcast, I needed at least a 1,000 followers on Twitter and Facebook before I was getting considered. <laughs>
0: oh. So. Well, well, you know, it doesn't like you can provide better quality than actual press as those Rotten Tomatoes quotes clearly signify. Like uh, the, num- mm-hmm. the number is
1: nothing. But uh, mm-hmm.
0: like what, what would have been the um, advantage? Like uh, would you have gotten in I
1: screenings and stuff? Have, I probably wouldn't have to pay for any of those oh, screenings. Fair enough. So it would have been a, a financial difference. But right. uh, other than that, our DVD review of Rigor Mortis, the UK release, is now online which isn't really much of a DVD review if they don't put any features on it. Let's no, just leave
0: it at that. No, exactly. I,
1: I'm mm-hmm. I'm, keen, I'm keen to watch
0: that. I've put it off for a little bit, but uh, I was, I'm was i keen to watch that as a Hong Kong film fan and uh, someone updating the the horror hopping vampire formula but doing it in a dark fashion and casting old faces of the genre. Exactly. Like, uh, I think Anthony Chan either stars as a supporting role, but it stars, yep. I think, Chin Siu Ho. Aye, both were in the Mr Vampire series, so that's
1: a rather cool. It's, like someone it... summed it up perfectly by saying it's like nostalgia bingo. Ah, like, <laughs> that's, just that's a good all, quote. Exactly, when all these cues come as, like, I remember that music, I know that boy, yeah. I can that guy, I remember this from that film. So it is, is, it's a fun watch for people that. Have seen like the back catalogue of like Chinese like Chinese ghost story, uh Mr. Vampire, mm. spooky encounters, th- all things along like those lines, it's definitely worth checking out at least once.
0: Right.
1: Uh, other than that, for our social media, facebook.com forward slash films and swearing and Twitter and Instagram, you could find us at FAS Podcast. Ken, you got any uh plugs? Well,
0: I, I won't. Uh, I won't do all my plugs so that like I do on uh, the podcast on fire shows. They last for about ten minutes when I do them. But uh, I, I do a variety of podcasts uh, at podcastonfire.com, the very site and the very like network that Stu initially created. I came on and then, over time, made it uh, made it my own, so to say. While Stu stayed on, and eventually Stu had enough of me and left. <laughs> and uh, but doing his own own thing very enthusiastically over here, and I'm happy to see you produce. Uh, as much as you do and uh, having a blast, clearly doing it. So, um, but uh, we have a variety show, of shows over there on Hong Kong cinema, Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, sleazy cinema and even ninja movies and uh, I write about uh, a variety of uh, those kind of movies at SoGoodReviews.com, mainly Taiwanese like 70s and 80s uh, gritty new wave ninja movies, sleazy movies and uh, a variety of Hong Kong genres over there as well. So uh, check that out and there's uh, social media links on those various sites as well.
1: Right, uh, other than that, I we mean, just need to let all our listeners know, and yourself, Ken, uh, fuck off and tune in next week.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much.